Welcome to episode number 18 of the Practical EdTech Podcast. In this episode, as always, I'm going to share some news and notes from the world of EdTech, share a couple of thoughts from my classroom this week, and answer a handful of questions from readers and viewers and listeners like you. Let's jump right into it and start out with some news and notes from the world of EdTech. So first of all, uh, a new Google Sites feature, not a big deal, but kind of noteworthy, is you can now put collapsible text boxes into your Google Sites. This is helpful or a convenient feature so that if you have a long block of text and you don't want to fill up the whole page, but you also don't want to create a second dedicated page for it, you can have just that collapsible little text box which says read more and then it opens up to show the rest of the text. Great for things like your home page in Google Sites where you might put a little introduction to your class or an introduction about yourself. You don't want to make a second page for it, but you also don't want to have this super long scrolling page. Really useful for that sort of thing. A neat new project that I learned about from Larry Perlazzo is called Kid Citizen. Now, Kid Citizen is funded by the Library of Congress. It's not officially a Library of Congress product, but it's funded by the Library of Congress, if that makes sense. What this is, is a service for K-5 students to learn about primary source documents and using primary sources and how primary sources inform our knowledge of history. It's a neat little service check it out kidcitizen.net is where you'll find it again all about primary sources for k5 classrooms i've shared a lot of primary source resources over the years for uh, middle school and high school but this is a really good one for elementary school common craft my friends lee and sashi uh, released a new video this week or an updated video this week about plagiarism it has some good tips about avoiding accidental plagiarism it also explains what is plagiarism and how people accidentally plagiarize some sometimes uh, so it's worth checking out you can find it at commoncraft.com slash video slash plagiarism or just go to commoncraft.com and search for it on a related note, about two years ago, my friend Beth Holland and I hosted a webinar about plagiarism and copyright as it pertains to the classroom. That webinar is available on my YouTube channel. You can just search copyright for teachers and you'll find it. It's an hour-long discussion that we had about all manner of issues related to copyright and the classroom and why teachers should care about copyright. We also answered, it was a live webinar, so we answered some questions live on the air from teachers during that webinar. So check that out on my YouTube channel, Copyright for Teachers. Speaking of Beth, she shared an interesting article or study this week about screen time. And one of the uh, big takeaways for me, or one of the big takeaways that she quoted is this. If there's, and she shared this on Twitter, if there is a direct link, it may have less to do with screens themselves and more with what the screen time may be replacing in children's lives. 
So I'll read that again for those of you who are listening to this. And I know I talk quickly. If there is a direct link, it may have less to do with the screens themselves and more with what the screen time may be replacing in children's lives. That's just some food for thought. Is it the device or is it the device that is replacing something else important in kids' lives, like one-on-one -on -one time with adults or one-on-one -on -one time with you know, their teachers or whatever that is? Or just, you know, even an interaction with each other, a real-life interaction with each other instead of a screen interaction with each other. And speaking of screens, Microsoft's PowerPoint presenter coach is totally awesome. I was able to finally give it a try this week, and it's even better than I thought it would be. I made a video about how it works. Currently is only available in the web browser version of PowerPoint, which is actually kind of a good thing. If you're a Chromebook school or you're a G Suite for Education school, and so maybe you don't have a desktop copy of PowerPoint, that's fine because this only works in the online version of PowerPoint and anyone can use the online version of PowerPoint. You don't have to have a Microsoft license. Just create a free Microsoft account and you can use the online version of PowerPoint it gives you feedback on things like the speed at which you speak, how fast, or uh, besides how fast you're speaking, or speed at which you're speaking, your pacing. It also, and a really nice feature for students is an originality report, which tells students how much they read off of the slides. So if your student's slides are filled with text and they just read the slides, presenter coach will tell them that that's what they're doing. If they don't have any text on the slides, they just have pictures and they just start talking, they're going to have you know, a high originality score. So I really like that feature because it really does tell students how fast they're speaking and tells them if they're reading off the slides or if they're actually just speaking from memory from the notes. Try that out. It's in the online version of PowerPoint. Anyone can get it. And speaking of presentation tools, Canva has a new set of presentation tools available. I shouldn't say a new set, an updated set of presentation tools available. They've always had uh, slideshow templates. So Canva's always had that. They've now updated it so you can publish your slideshow online. But the really great feature about it is that you can embed your slideshow into your web page and it will automatically optimize for mobile viewing or auto automatically optimize for the space that's a lot that's provided on the web page. And if you're let's say you're using uh, you know a WordPress site and you include your Canva presentation, well, most WordPress sites are now mobile optimized so that you can you know, quickly transition from a phone to a to a desktop and Canvas presentation will also automatically resize and uh, optimize for that. So try that out. If you're looking for a different type of presentation tool, try it out. As I said in an email to the person who from Canva who sent me the email about this, I think it's a really nice option for it. Uh, a slider as an alternative to a to a time slider or a slider plugin for a, for a website, Canva's slide tool might be a good option there. 
And last but not least, in my news and notes for the week, not a new thing at all. It's in fact an oldie but a goodie, but I was reminded of it this week when I was browsing through Maps Mania. Maps Mania is one of my favorite favorite blogs. I was browsing through it and I was reminded of Overlap Maps, which I wrote about years ago, probably 2012, 13, maybe even before that. Overlap Maps will let you quickly compare the size of countries, states, provinces, rivers, and lakes. Just go to overlapmaps.com and you can choose what you want to overlap. So you know, maybe I'm going to overlap uh, one of the states in the U.S. Let me pick the U.S. So I pick the U.S. first. So I pick the United States and then I'll go to the site and I'll pick uh, Alabama. And I'm going to compare it with a Canadian province. So we'll go to Canada and we'll compare Alberta and Alabama and it will overlap Alabama onto Alberta and show us the relative size of the two. So neat little tool for students to understand how big or small their state province or a body of water is. So now for a few thoughts or reflections from my classroom. It was a busy week at my school. We have a shortage of subs and so I had to cover a couple of classes uh, for some colleagues who are out. No big deal, uh, but we, we just don't have enough subs to go around. Uh, so that gave me some opportunities to pop into other classes uh, and make some observations. These are not observations about my about my colleagues. These are observations about students in general and my own students as well. That freshmen need as many small chunks as possible to keep them focused throughout the day or throughout the class period. I already knew that. I just reminded of it by getting it slapped in my face it felt like this week so yeah it's a nice little nice little reminder that freshmen need lots of little small things to do uh, even if the even if there's one big goal for the day they need it broken out into lots of small steps along the way now a comment about my own upperclassmen students particularly my juniors and seniors we have a big project we're working on my my juniors and seniors have a big project we're working on trying to get uh, this wheelchair rover programmed and running to interface with webcam input so it can navigate the halls on its own. Huge project. Probably going to take us at least a semester to get done. One of the things, and it's fitting in with an Internet of Things uh, curriculum we're using from Cisco, so an IoT uh, curriculum and it's one of the challenges that I'm seeing with my upperclassmen right now is that while they know what the big goal is and we're all focused on that goal and my upperclassmen are fantastic they're all uh, very very interested and invested in trying to get this thing done sometimes they still need that little reminder of the chunk that we're working on that day or that week like this is going to help us get to the end goal so I'm gonna, next week, I'm going to give them a 
bigger semester roadmap, if you will, where we can see we have got this big goal and we're all working towards it, but maybe we need to break it down into a week by week chunk as opposed to uh, this one overarching chunk. We're going to work on that next week. Now, questions from readers, listeners, and viewers like you. First one came from Martin, who wrote, Are there any free or inexpensive sites that I can have a webinar with my class and use a whiteboard? My suggestion is try to Zoom. Zoom.us has a free plan. You can have up to 50 or 100 participants in it in your free plan. I can double check that right now. But either way, if it's 50 or 100, it's more than enough for your typical K-12 classroom. If you have more than 50 K-12 students at once, ooh, uh, that's a 100 participants. So you can do that. You can, do that. You can record for up to 40 minutes. It records for free. Uh, you got a bunch of web conferencing features in there. So you can try that. Uh, try that out. Great little, great little option, zoom.us. I really like that one. And of course, you could always use something like Skype and draw on that as well. Question came from Hershey, who asked, really liked your video on Google Drive. Any way one can change the directory view columns or for that matter, widen the file column or change the point size of lettering to see more of the file name or remove columns, owner, and modified. Thank you. So if you go into your Google Drive settings, there is a display density. And you can change the display density in your Google Drive settings. There's three options, basically small, medium, large, or more dense or less dense is really what it comes down to. You can do that. Also in your Google Drive settings, you can switch from the uh, kind of linear file view to more of a tile view, what they call material view. You can try that. But as far as removing the owner and modified column labels, you can't do that. Uh, and you can't remove the file column label. Those are, those are stuck. You're stuck with those ones. But you can modify the display density. question from Brian uh, and Brian's question prompted a great blog post so thank you Brian for that idea I'm aware of all the online sites which you can randomly select a name after you upload a list of student names but I'm looking for a way to upload photos of my students so I can randomly have the site select a photo the students are learning how to use adjectives to describe themselves and I'd like to project a face onto the screen randomly can't seem to find a site or method that makes it easy to accomplish this feat. Any ideas? Thank you, Brian. So Brian's question, and I answered Brian directly, and then I wrote a blog post about it, was to use Flippity.net's random name selector. Because Flippity.net, in their random name selector, has the option to include student pictures. So Flippity.net, random name picker, and it has a template. It's a Google Sheets template. You just make a quick copy of it. You can also do this from the flippity.net Google Sheets add-on. Now, when you open up the template for the first time, it's going to have the default 
sample names in there of Catherine, Dan, Merrill, Jack, Ingrid, yada, yada, yada. Swap those out. But you'll see there's a column for photos. And to put a photo in, the photo does have to be hosted online somewhere, and then you just post a link to that photo. For example, I'll just use a, you know, you go to like pixabay.com. Now, obviously, you're not going to put your students' pictures on pixabay.com. But you just grab the link for wherever your image is hosted and paste that into the template. Get your, get your image address. So depending on the service you use, you might right-click on the picture and select image address. And then put it right into the template. And when in, then when you use a random name picker, not only will it display the name, it'll display the photo as well. Now you can use this not only for student names, but you can certainly modify it and instead of names, just use words or terms, vocabulary terms, and have a picture. Try that. So great question, Brian. Thank you for asking. A question from Jen who asked me about automatic grading in Google Forms. My question is, is there a way to set a time limit on the quiz, but still be able to let kids who are absent take the quiz when they come back to school? My suggestion for Jen was to use Form Limiter. So you can do Form Limiter on your Google Form, and you can uh, set a time limit when you're giving that quiz to your students who are present in class, have it expire, and then when the students who are absent come back, just reactivate the time limit using form limiter again. So you can do that. Your other option is to use Google Classroom and only assign the quiz to the students who are present that day and not to the ones who are absent that day. Now this doesn't mean that the students who are present and take the quiz won't tell their friends who are absent what was on the quiz. There's no way to you know, prevent that other than maybe shuffling the question order or shuffling the uh, answer options at the end of it. But that's a, not a problem that's unique to Google Forms. That's a, just something that's always happened. right? Long before there was Google Forms and I gave a quiz to my first period class, by the time third period came around, if I was giving, if I gave the same quiz to third period, my first period kids would know, would have told my third period class, hey, he's going to ask you about X, Y, or Z. So, uh, that's not a, not a unique to Google Forms problem. That's just a student problem, I guess. <clears throat> and to wrap up today's podcast, the last question that came in came from Sarah who asked, our students are about to begin a project creating videos through still images and perhaps some recorded video chunks on their phones. I'd like to have them be able to do voiceovers, but I'm unsure of a good web-based video editor that I can use with ninth graders to that ninth graders can navigate and store their information. Do you have any suggestions for me? Sarah, I have two suggestions. So, Sarah, you could use WeVideo, and I'm a big fan of WeVideo. It's great on Chromebooks. It'll work on your Android device. They also have an iOS version. Uh, try WeVideo. We or you could try uh, Adobe Spark Video, 
which you'll find at spark.adobe.com, both will let students do a voiceover over images and do uh, short video clips. Now, I don't know how long your video clips are or if your students need to edit their video clips at all. If they need to edit their video clips at all, I would use WeVideo. If they don't need to edit the video clips and they just want to insert them right into their slideshow style video, Adobe Spark is going to be a little faster, easier, and is free. WeVideo has a free plan, but you're going to bump up some against some limitations in the free plan that you might want to overcome by subscribing to their service. Now, I don't get paid by WeVideo to say that. I just like the service. And finally, today is the day that I am sitting down and going through all of the presentation proposals for the Practical EdTech Creativity Conference, which is happening in the second week of December. There are 21 submissions that I have to go through. Uh, actually, 22. 22. One got emailed to me uh, by someone who had trouble with the Google form. So 22 submissions that I have to go through, and I'll be looking at all of them and emailing everybody by the end of the day on Sunday or Sunday night. Check it out. Uh, now, if you've put in your presentation proposal, I'll get to, back to you this weekend. If you are just interested in joining in and seeing what's going to be presented, that information will be posted on my website next week. You can also just sign up to join the Practical EdTech Creativity Conference. It's free, completely web-based uh, online conference, three days of webinars by teachers, for teachers, completely free to sign up, no strings attached, just sign up. I don't even have a sponsor for it. I'm just doing it to do it. Uh, I thought it'd be fun to do, so I'm doing it. Give some people a chance to present to an audience, uh, particularly people who maybe haven't presented much in the past before. So that's that. All right. Have a great weekend, everyone. If you have any feedback for me or questions for me, send me an email, richard at burn.media. Bye-bye.